Correct. Bibles to Timothy. We're continuing our series in the book of Two Timothy. This is one of those weeks that I had a wonderful time preparing this message. I shouldn't tell you that, but and I, I just really need God's grace to be able to get across half of what He gave me this week as I looked at this this little section of the Scripture. Um. I, everything I read, I just, poor Mary, she's probably heard the whole message already, um, as the week went by. Um, and I just have been so blessed. And it's my prayer. I'm gonna, matter of fact, I'm gonna stop and pray first. Cause I hope that I can give you just a little tiny taste of what the Lord gave me through this passage this week. Father, I thank you for, um, the opportunity, Lord, to pr- share this morning. Lord, I thank you for those who, who made your way out despite the difficulties of getting here and the weather and all. I pray that you might bless us now, Lord. I pray that we would have a, um, a blessed time. Lord, and I am asking your Holy Spirit for special grace. Lord, um, I felt, I didn't feel like yet last week's message, um, came across the way I wanted it to. But Lord, there's so much packed in here and I pray that I might be able to just give a little bit of what you gave me as we look at the notion about what to do when when do we feel ashamed or embarrassed or, or afraid to share the gospel? And I thank you for the clear directions that you gave Timothy as Paul began to pass the reins on to him. Um, thank you for loving us. Bless the preaching of your word, Lord. I pray for clear Holy Spirit intervention that you'd allow us to hear what you have us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to read this section to you. I'm going to start in verse 7 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. And then we're going to talk a little bit, and then we're going to start studying through the passage. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who hath saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto thee against that day. Now, we've got to remember that there's a lot of things going on here. Um, Paul, uh, Timothy knows that Paul is getting ready to, to be executed. Alright? He knows that, that Paul is leaving. Paul was his spiritual father. And he's anxious. Obviously, Timothy's anxious about that because he knows he's taking over. He's going to be the one who is going to primarily take over the task of, of um, doing the ministry Paul had. I kind of think uh, like this. It kind of reminded me as I was studying this. Remember when Moses died and Joshua was going to take over? And how God had to encourage him, be bold, be strong. All the things he said, be courageous for the Lord your God is with you. And all these things. Are, so it's kind of a, tra- a, a, a transition time like that. But as I was sharing with the kids Friday night, as Timothy thought back to Paul's ministry, what kind of things do you think he thought about Paul's ministry? Paul did not get to live like so many preachers in a lovely big mansion. He didn't have a private jet. 
He didn't have loads of money. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't um, how, how do you call it? What's, he, he didn't. He didn't talk to the deacon committee about how much they were going to pay him for his preaching tour. He didn't have to have a certain amount of money to come and preach. <clears throat> he didn't live in the lap of luxury. He didn't travel first class. What was Paul's ministry like? You, can you, AJ Hudson? Can you help me? Um, can you help me, William? Can you remember what Paul happened to Paul when he was preaching in Acts? Can you remember anything about him? What he went through? Some bad things? Sorry. He got put in jail. What about us? AJ? He was stoned. Hudson. Went through a couple of shipwrecks. All right. He was left for dead at one point, and some Bible teachers think he actually died, and God rose, raised him from the dead. He was um, he got bitten by a snake. He was he was never ever popular. He wasn't even popular among his own people. Remember what he said? He had to, he had to go to Rome. He had to go to Jerusalem so he could go to Rome. And he had people try to stop him from going to Jerusalem because they were afraid he was going to be arrested. Paul's life was not an easy life. He had it tough as a preacher. And Timothy was going to take over. That's one side of this. On the other side of it, do you know who the emperor of Rome was right now? Anybody know offhand? Hud? No, it was after Julius Caesar. Do you know AJ? Nero. Anybody, anybody like history who knows anything about Nero? Nero was a bad... What do you think about him, AJ? How bad? He was a really bad guy. Persecution intensified to an unprecedented level under Nero. He, first, of, yeah, first of all, Rome was, um, Rome was set fire. A lot of historians think he set the fire to set up the Christians because he publicly proclaimed, and historians have the proclamation that he blamed the Christians for setting Rome on fire. So he had a bunch of Christians arrested. This is not made up. This is There's historical records of all this, okay? The Romans kept very good records. He crucified, I don't know how many of them he crucified. He lined the main road into Rome with crucified believers and he set them on fire to light the way into Rome. Okay? That's the guy he that... that Timothy is going to be taking over Paul's ministry under that type of authority from Rome. How do you think the Jewish authorities thought about Timothy taking over this job? You think they were chuffed to have him taking over the job? That, the Jewish authorities? Are you being sarcastic? Huh? Are you talking about priests and, and, and the leaders of the temple? That yeah. yeah. They opposed Paul. Do you think they said, oh, Timothy, you're great. Come alongside. That's great. Probably not. Alright? So, here's Timothy taking over. And imagine what this young guy thought. We don't know how old Timothy was. He may have been... He might have been as old as Owen. Maybe that old. Alright? Now, can you imagine even Owen taking over a job like this? His job is tough enough as it is. He only has narky customers and, and recalcitrant workers and things like that. Can you imagine taking over Paul's job? Timothy must have been terrified. So Paul tells Timothy, and we looked at this at the beginning of this last week, we looked where, where Paul told Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that's in you. 
He said, remember the day that I laid hands on you and we prayed for your ministry. He tells Timothy to stir up that ministry, to keep it a roaring fire. Keep, keep the fire going. Don't let the fire die. That's a big part of Paul's concern about dying with not himself, but the fact what's going to happen to the church when I'm gone. He tells Timothy, keep that fire blazing. Keep, keep moving. Keep, 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 keep going. And, and he, the, um, so, so Timothy, so Timothy was, Paul is encouraging Timothy here to keep on moving. I like John Stott. John Stott, um, I think some of you remember doing a Bible study with, with, over John Stott's book. And here's what John Stott, here's how he summarizes the book of 2 Timothy, especially these verses here. He says, Timothy, keep feeding the white hot flame of God's gift. Of the and of unashamed courage to speak openly of Christ and to suffer for the gospel. Paul said, Keep your faith alive. Stir it up. Keep it moving. He what he's what in, what what in essence he's saying is don't be ashamed of the job you have to do. And that challenge to Timothy is a challenge to me today. We've been in Ireland twenty five years. I came here. For one major purpose. I came here to tell people about Jesus. Okay? That's why we moved here. All those years ago. But do you think I ever get... Do you think I'm always very verbal and vocal and ready to share? Do you think I'm always faithful about doing my job? Of course not! It's a scary thing to share. We're scared off by... By all kinds of things. And Paul tells Timothy, here's Timothy taking over. It's been great to ride alongside Paul. That must, can you imagine working alongside Paul, what that must have been like? How exciting! But he says, it's your turn, Timothy. I can't almost, can, just the weight that he must have felt. So the rest of the book, especially today, is gonna be on the theme of don't be strong, keep the fire going, be, be, be courageous and don't be ashamed of Jesus. That's what he's saying here in reality. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't hide it. The world needs to know. Rome needs to know. The Roman citizens need to know. Don't be ashamed. Look at verse 7 and 8. We'll go back to there now. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're in verses 7 and 8. We read verse 7 last week. For God has not... Um, verse 6... Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of His, His prisoners, but have confessed, no, but um, share with me in the sufferings and the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 6, 7, and 8. Don't be ashamed. God has given us God has, God doesn't want us to be afraid. He didn't want Timothy to be afraid of his job. He doesn't want us to be afraid of our task of telling people about Jesus Christ. As, as intimidating and as scary as it is. We looked last week. He gave us a spirit of power. We have all the power of God working in our lives. We don't need to be afraid. 
He's given us a spirit of love. We should, the, 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 the love that we should have for the world around us, for people around us. He's put His love in us and He's given us the ability to have a sound mind, to reason and to explain the gospel. God has given us those three things in our lives and we need to be able to rejoice in what God has given us. He's given us all those things. And therefore, verse 8, when you ever see the word therefore, you look at find out what it's there for. Because of what I've done for you, he says, do not be ashamed. I tell you, I can talk, um, I can talk about Irish rugby no matter who I'm around. If I were in a room full of English rugby fans, I would not be ashamed that I'm an Irish rugby fan. Especially after yesterday. Um, I wouldn't be ashamed of it. Um, sports is one of those things. I, I, if I'm not careful, some of you know this, I can get enamored with sports. Um, I like it. I have to fight things sometimes. I have to fight my, my, my love for different sporting events. Um, I can get excited over Alabama American football. They had a rotten end of the season, but I'm still, if you ask me, I would tell people, I'm an Alabama fan. Well, look how they did this year. Yeah, but they're in Alabama. Okay? I'm still an Alabama fan. Do we have any Liverpool fans in the church? Anybody Liverpool supporters? Who? Shauna. Shauna's not. Shauna must be floating on cloud nine right now. But are Man United? Are are you Man United fans? Are you sad you're Man United fans? Huh? Are you ashamed of being a Man United fan? No. Of course not. Of course not. Who did you tell me you support, Julius? Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. Now, this is my man here. All right. I, I love this fella. That's right. I remember now. I, 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 we're not having a great season. Sure, we're not. Okay, but not great. But are you ashamed of being a Chelsea fan? No way. All right. I'm proud of both of my heritages. I'm proud to be American born. I'm proud of my American heritage. I'm not ashamed to be an American. I'm not ashamed to be Irish. An Irish citizen. And I'll tell anybody that. Alright? I, why? Why, why, why can we talk? We can talk about the weather. We can talk about the economy. We can talk about the election. Although I don't think anybody really knew what was going on this time, honestly. We can talk about any of those things. We can talk about our favorite candidate or we can talk about our favorite meal. I don't like Brussels sprouts and I'm not ashamed to tell you I don't like Brussels sprouts. I don't care what recipe you come up with. I'm not... Why? With all those petty little things, why with all that going on are we ashamed to tell people that we're Christians? Doesn't make any sense, does it? When you come right down to it. I mean, this guy had reason to be ashamed. He was probably going to be persecuted for his faith. Um, not just made fun of, not just mocked, but persecuted for his faith. He was probably going to suffer for being a Christian. And Paul said, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of what you have. And then he's going to spend a good part of this book telling why not to be ashamed. The whole book of, of to, 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 to Timothy is going to tell Timothy... What he needs to do. An amazing book. I like teaching. I like mentoring younger people. Um, I like all those things. And I can see Paul's heart 
as he writes to Timothy. Um, I wish I had half the ability to mentor like Paul mentored Timothy. He says, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of what you have. And most of all, don't be ashamed. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ. First of all, don't be ashamed of what God has done. He's given us power, love, a sound mind. He says, don't be ashamed of what Jesus has done. Can you imagine how people talk about Jesus back in those days? They didn't know the whole gospel. Do you think Jesus was looked on as a hero by the general population back in those days? Seriously? This was the guy who was a rabble, he was seen as a rabble rouser. He was seen as a troublemaker and he was seen he got his just desserts because they hung him on a cross and that's the worst way to die of all. So why would you be proud of Jesus? In the world's eyes, he was just another failed prophet. Criminal. Alright? A traitor in people's eyes. And yet, Paul says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of Christ. Tell people what he's done. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of Christ. Despite all the negativity and all the, all the bad things going on, don't be ashamed of Jesus or, or in His testimony. And at the end of the day, Jesus suffered. Paul suffered. And folks, we have got it made right now, but we cannot be surprised if we're called on to suffer for the cause of Christ. It happens all over the world today. How in the world do we do we escape it? I saw a news report this morning. I think there's a church in, it was in Nigeria. I think the church, I think 21 Christians were killed in a church meeting when they threw a poisonous gas canister into the church service. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. Why did they die? They died because they were Christians. It's happened forever. And that's just one, Nigeria is one of those one of those countries that so much of it is under such persecution and such trouble and people are in such danger. It happens all over the place today. Um, China, the house church is being burned down and pastors arrested just for, go, just for going to church. Pastors are being arrested. <clears throat> and you know, people look at those, look at those Christians. They've got nothing. But Paul says, don't be ashamed. Of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't be ashamed of what's going on in the church because there are deeper things to keep in mind. Go back to that point about this sound mind. Okay? He's given us a sound of mind. That sound mind that he mentions back in verse, I think it's verse 7. Yeah, back in verse 7 he mentions the sound mind. We're going to have to have a sound mind to understand how and why we should not be ashamed of the gospel. Because it takes a change of thinking on our parts to grasp this whole idea. We have to have a whole different perspective. The sound mind that we have is the mind that has the ability to look to eternal things rather than just temporary things. We have a greater goal in mind. No matter what happens here on earth, because we have a sound mind, God's given us the ability to reason that we've got a greater focus. We've got a greater goal out there that our eyes are to be focused on heaven. He says, don't, 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 don't be focused on all that's going on around you. And it's so easy to get dragged down into it. I'm as guilty as the next person getting dragged down all the mundane. And Paul spends a good chat, good chunk of 1st and 2nd Timothy telling Timothy not to get embroiled with all the affairs of this world. I wish these books sometimes were called 1st and 2nd Roger. Because I need these messages so badly. 
And every time I read those verses, it's like the Holy Spirit takes out a two by what are, are two by four still called two by fours, even though they're the metric. You know what a two by four is? Yeah, the board. Somebody's like somebody takes out a two by four and smacks me across the head with it. Wake up! What are you doing, stupid? Don't go back into the affair. Don't get embroiled. Don't get mixed up in all that nonsense. Why do you keep going back there? Well, I like it. It's part of the problem. And Paul tells Timothy, don't get it. He, all through the book, don't get embroiled. He said, you've got a sound mind. Don't, don't get caught up in the affairs of this world. And if we don't get caught up in the affairs of this world, and, and then the whole, the whole concept of that people have, have suffered for the cause of Christ. Jesus tells us the world is not going to like us. Um, later on in 2 Timothy, he's going to make this even really, really clear. I don't know when we'll get there, but uh, chapter 3, verse 12 of 2 Timothy. He says, and you might know the end of this verse if you do, help me out. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus will have a happy day. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus are going to get whatever they want. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus are going to have a new car and a mansion. And they want their pocketbooks are going to be full. Is that what it says? Those who live godly in Christ Jesus are going to prosper in everything they do. Anybody know what the verse says? Those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Alright? That's a sign of what happens when you live godly. People ain't going to like it. Because you're going to make a difference. You're going to be shining like that light in their heart that the world doesn't want to see the light. They're going to see a light in you and me that, that, that the world is going to hate because they don't want to have their sins exposed to the light. So if we're shining the light, they're not going to like us. We don't even have to preach against their sins sometimes. We don't even have to tell them they're wrong. But by the very fact that we don't participate in their activities, they're not going to like us because we're not doing what they do. Because they'd feel a lot better if we were doing the bad things they were doing. They wouldn't feel nearly as guilty if we do the same things. So people aren't going to like us. Not really. Not when it comes down to bread. And I'm grateful for them. I love my lost friends. And I've got a lot of lost friends. But you know what? There's times when we differ. There's times we're not going to get along because, because we're different than they are. We need to have a different perspective. Um, suffering is not a sign of failure. 1 Peter 2, chapter, verse 20 talks about the fact that, that it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to follow Christ. You know the question, what would Jesus do? You know that saying, that phrase? Great question. I've got no problems with the, with the phrase, what would Jesus do? You know what the context is? The context is how he responded to suffering. I have no problem saying what would Jesus do in this situation, but the context in that particular verse is how he responded to suffering. The, the, the disciples back in Acts chapter 5, they rejoiced in that God found them worthy of suffering. We have all over the world today, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are dying for their faith. Um, uh, you look at something, you look, you look, you look um, like in Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. I'm not going to go there, right? I'm not going to go there, but um, those who live, uh, yeah, the, the whole chapter, by faith this, 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 by faith this. Then the chapter says they were eaten by lawns and sawn asunder and all this kind of things. And the end of the chapter says this, they of whom the world was not worthy. Do you see what Paul's doing for Timothy here? He's building him up to, to give him a reason to keep on going. Not to make him proud, but those who suffer godly, the world was not worthy of these men, 
But they were worthy because of Christ. They had value to Him. Early on, they were counted worthy to suffer for the... disciples said they were counted worthy to suffer for the gospel. Here he said that the world was not worthy of all those saints who died in the hall of faith. He's trying to build and encourage Timothy. Don't get down. Don't let yourself get discouraged. Don't get ashamed. Be brave. Be strong. Keep going. He says, because you've got something the world doesn't have. You've got a lot that the world doesn't have. And he's going to explain that in the next few verses. There's a, I, got, I think I've got a list of ten reasons here not to be ashamed of being a Christian. And the first, and the first reason is because as we suffer, we're following Christ. But what do we do? How, how, how do we handle persecution? Do we grab our guns and go out and fight the persecutors? Sounds good, doesn't it? Sure, if we rise up, we can fight them off. Do you know there is not a single case in the book of Acts under all that persecution? Where you find Christians rebelling against those persecuting them? Some of them, some of them were in the Roman army. Believers were in the Roman army. You didn't see them rebelling against the authority and taking and, and arming themselves. What do we do? How do we handle that kind of persecution? This is crazy stuff. Okay, this is mad. I'm reading through Ephesians now in my devotions, coming down to the, um, I'm coming into putting on the armor of God and all, what the weapons that we have, that we have are. Um, he says we're not fighting, we're not fighting against principalities and powers. We're fighting against evil forces. And then you just look at the weapons, alright? When you look at, a, when you look at weapons, if I were gonna go to war today, alright? If I were a soldier, and I were gonna go, if I were gonna go to war today, I'd want my, I want my, my battle protective um, padding. I'd want a good. I want those new helmets. I'd want Kev. I'd want a Kevlar vest. I'd want the best wealth rifle they could put in my hands. I'd want hand grenades. I'd want if I'd want whatever I could to fight that battle, because my goal in that battle is what to kill the enemy. But when you look at you look at the armor of God. Look what it says. What is our armor? Put on the armor of God. It's love and peace and righteousness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our weapons are, our call is not to war our physical enemy. I love the song of Church Arise. It talks about our call is not to rage, not to war against those who are captive to sin. And that's where too many of us have our focus. But our call is to rage against the captor. It's their sin and it's Satan. We don't need to be ashamed of, t- of fighting a spiritual battle. It's the battle God calls us to fight. We need to be different from the world. We've got to separate from the, the ways and the actions and the thoughts and the mindset of the world. We've, we've got to do something here, guys. We've got to move forward. And Paul says, be strong, be courageous. Don't be ashamed. God has given us this power, this spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love. He's given us a spirit of a sound mind. He says, love those who hate you. Do good to those who abuse us. When we're cursed, how are we supposed to respond when we're cursed? With a what? With a blessing? Bless them who curse you. 
So don't be ashamed of what Jesus has done. Verse 9 and 10, don't be ashamed of salvation. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to the life of his own purpose and grace which was given to us to Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed in the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Man! Paul could write, couldn't he? What an amazing passage of Scripture! Verse 9 According to the power of... I've gone through the suffering through the power of God who has saved us. If we look at this in context, before the very foundation of the world, God set... You want to be... You want, you want to not be ashamed? Remember that before the world began, before God said, let there be light, God had a plan. For your salvation, and your salvation, and your salvation, and your salvation, and my salvation. God had me and you in mind before the world ever began. Did you hear what I said? God had you and me in mind before the world ever began. Do you think we are important to God? Do we have any cause to be ashamed or embarrassed of who we are? Here's how most of us, somebody asks, so, um, so, what's your, what's, what's, what's your, do you have a faith? Do you have religion? We say, well, I'm a Christian. What? I'm a Christian. Alright? Well, I can't hear you. I'm a Christian. Well, well, that's good. I'm a Christian too. What kind of Christian are you? Are you a Catholic? Are you one, you're, you're, are you a Catholic? I've even heard this phrase. Are you a Catholic or a Christian? It's funny I hear that kind of diversity, mostly from Catholics. Alright? Anybody else heard that phrase? Are you a Catholic or a Christian? I'm a Christian. What, 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 what kind of Christian are you? Uh, I'm, you're not one of them born again Christians, are you? Well, um, what do you say? I've had people ask me that. You're not, you're not one of those born agains, are you? And I've had to step back and say, well, you know, I am. I am one of those born again Christians. Um, because I'm truly born again, because I, I was reborn into God's family through, and, um, is that easy to say though, around a bunch of lads? Cause you know what they mean, they know they're insulting you when they call you a born again. <clears throat> is it tough when you're in the, when, when you're just hanging out with the lads watching a football match or, or whatever, and, are you one of them? Well, yeah, I am. How can we do that? Because before the world ever began, before God said, let there be light, He had a plan in mind for our salvation. He knew we were going to sin. He knew the world was going to get broken. You say, why didn't God prevent that? Would we? Would anybody really enjoy it if we lived in a world where God dictated everything you said and did? You know what we'd be doing? I guarantee that if Adam and Eve had not sinned so visibly by eating the fruit of the tree, eventually we'd start thinking, man, that God fellow is kind of boring. I could do this better than he could. I could I, I'm pretty sure I could. Because God did not make us into robots. 
God didn't make us into automatons. He gave us the choice. Can you imagine living and never having a choice in what you do? Never having a choice to decide, am I going to go here, am I going to go there? No, God didn't make us that way. So God knew what we were going to choose. And before the world ever began, God said, I've got a plan for your salvation. That is mind-boggling. It's more than I can imagine. God had a plan. Before the world began, God had a plan that what was going to happen, that Roger Perrow was going to get saved. He was going to offer me salvation, and I was going to get saved. That's God himself. Um, if you want to use the ugly vernacular, the man upstairs said, I've got a plan for you. Before he laid out his plan for creation. Mm. Who was top on his priority list? Before he said, let there be light, he said, I've got a plan for us. Well, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I don't like to use the word proud in this context, but... I guess I could use the word proud, couldn't I? In this context. God had a plan for us. We need salvation because everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Nobody's good enough to get to heaven at all. No way. And everybody deep in their heart knows that. Nobody can say, yeah, I'm perfect. I'm, 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 yep, I'm, I'm all right with, uh, yeah, we're okay. We got, and not seriously mean it. We all know we've sinned. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. We need, to not, we need to be unashamed of the Gospel. We need to be unashamed of Jesus. We need to be unashamed of our salvation. Um, I think that's a good place to stop. We'll pick up next week um, back in verse 9. But I just want to get, I just want to encourage us guys, and I'll, I'll pick this up next week. I've got, I've got several more things to say. As we go out this week, and those situations come up, when you have to give an answer, why you don't do certain things, why you do do certain things. Um, I've been asked many, many times, I've been asked, you, you don't drink at all? No, I've chosen not to drink at all. And they say, why? And it's easy enough. You know, my you know, this, this, this is typical of, 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 I think, all of us. My typical response was, well, when I was young, I nearly, very nearly became an alcoholic. And I just decided that wasn't a good thing for me. So I quit drinking. You get away with that, don't you? Yeah? But what about saying, well, why did you make a decision? I said, well, well because I became a Christian. And this part, this lifestyle was not, it was not compatible with my Christian, with, with my Christian living. I couldn't let something else control me, but when I got, when I became a Christian, I couldn't let something other than God control my life. You're not being vindictive, you're not talking about not drinking at all. Are we ashamed? You know, I, what I just said, as I was saying that about telling people why I don't drink, I don't think I've ever put it that clearly. I was kind of mumbled around. Well, you know, well, you're one of those Christians, aren't you? Was that was that was that why? Well, that was part of it, but I really decided I had I shouldn't be going down that road. We cannot be ashamed of who we are. We obviously don't have the biggest, most dynamic, most powerful church in Nace. But you know what? 
Before the world began, God had a plan for you to get saved and 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 me to get saved. Before the world ever began. We're something. We're something in God's eyes. We cannot afford to be ashamed of, our, of, of, of what Jesus Christ has done. We should... Can you, can you think about that for a second? Being ashamed of Jesus? Really? This was God in the flesh. Was He ashamed of me when His naked body was hung on that cross, beaten to a pulp, with, with a crown of thorns driven in His skull? Nakedness in those days was the greatest shame of all. I know it's not that way today. But Jesus hung naked on a cross. Was He ashamed of you and me? Was He ashamed to do what He did? No. Because before the world ever began, God had a plan that you and I would be saved. We'll follow up more next week, guys. Keep the fire burning. Don't let that fire go out. Sometimes it's discouraging. to It, it can be discouraging. Sometimes we can be tempted to let that fire go out. When we're struggling along and nobody's getting saved and, and all the negative things are happening, we can struggle to keep that flame going. But Paul told Timothy, he told him, it was his responsibility to keep stirring up that fire, to keep it going. Stir up those white up. Don't let yourself get down, Timothy. Consciously, consciously stir those fires up in your heart and in your mind. Be brave. We'll get to we'll get to bravery next week, God willing, or a couple of weeks' time. We'll get to that courage part of it. But for now, first things he tells Timothy: Don't be ashamed. And we have that same charge today. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this challenge. Lord, as I study this, as I preach this just now, Lord, I, I, have, I my heart is convicted about being ashamed. Uh, maybe not being ashamed, but not being bold about who I believe and what I believe. I pray that we'd leave this room this morning, Father, determined in our hearts that by the mighty power of God and by your grace, we would not be ashamed of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.